know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one place. When you scan the QR code, you will find in the worship guide, I'm supposed to point it out right there. Um, with your phone's camera, you get a short link when clicked. It navigates to a web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We ask that you scan the QR code and click on the link provided for at TVCHSV. Then click on the menu item for first-time guests. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by either scanning the QR link code using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage. Or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after service, you may just simply drop your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today's a busy day. We begin SEC, not football. These are our Sunday equipping classes. They consist of the first steps, village kids, youth, and an adult sermon discussion. We will be meeting directly after the worship service. Following SEC today, the Goodson, Goodson Village Group will be meeting at the church house, and the girls of our youth group will be meeting in the fellowship hall for a girls' afternoon. Um, also, last call for trunk or treat. And I'm kind of going to go off script here because I want to let you know that our youth really, really were passionate when we discussed this last week about our church trying to come together and host a trunk or treat this year. If you are interested in helping with TVC's community outreach in October, um, then we need people who are willing to serve on a team to be in charge of this event and coordinate with the ministry partners, Reformed University Fellowship, InterVarsity, and the Lincoln Village Ministries. Our youth are really excited about this opportunity, and I'd hate for us to tell them that we can't do it because we just don't have enough support and volunteers. Two people have signed up to help, but we definitely need a lot more to make this a great event for our community and our church. August 16th, Women's Fellowship and Bible Study will meet at 530 in the church house. Um, August 17th this week, music practice here at 530. August 20th, next Saturday, um, is a youth church work day at Lincoln Village Ministries from 830 to 1130. For our youth, we will be sending out a sign of genius with more information because we're going to go to launch afterwards. So um, be looking for that this week. It will also have more information, and um, all youth parents will need to sign a waiver for their kids in order to participate. August 21st, next Sunday, please come join the Mission and Vision Sermon Series as we continue. We will also celebrate communion. We will have SEC again after worship service. Sunday equipping classes will again consist of the first steps for our very youngest, village kids, youth, and an adult sermon discussion. And next Sunday, the 21st, afterwards, the Teague Village Group will meet in the church house. These are your announcements. Govern yourselves accordingly. Good morning. (laughs) This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. 
and be glad in it. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. If you would please stand. This time is our time of preparation. Our time to just calm get calm and still before the Lord because if you're like me you may have had a really busy morning you may have had a really busy week or you may have uh, you thought this morning yes I'm I'm ready to go in and fellowship my brothers and sisters in Christ and then just on the way to church (laughs) things happen and you may not quite feel um as calm or as still as you might like. And so I want to encourage you that even however you're feeling this morning, the Lord is with you. He is our Emmanuel. He promises to never leave or forsake us. And I find that I say that a lot. I know when I'm talking to people, many of you have had conversations with me, with me and heard me say that. Um, I don't always believe it, if I'm honest. But I think there's something about, I believe there's something about preaching the gospel to myself, speaking God's truth to myself. So I invite you to just be still before the Lord, your heart and mind, whatever worship posture you need to take during this time of preparation. Feel free to do that. And um, come, let's sing and prepare our hearts to adore him.
Christ the Lord. Our call to worship this morning is from 2 Samuel 22, 31-34. You will find this on the screen um, if you're in the room, as well as in your worship guide. Please join with me where it knows people as well as all. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. Amen. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. Amen. Amen.
Good morning, y'all. It's the village. So, anyway, I was thinking something about what Patience said earlier about, you know, how stuff happens on the way to church or during the week or whatever. And, um, you know, what I was thinking about when she said that was this verse from Thessalonians that says, we are not like those who grieve without hope. And the reason why he was saying that, Paul, was because our hope is in something beyond <laughs> this, all of this. You know, and as Bill Nash said a few weeks ago when he preached here, this is not all there is. <laughs> God has got this, He is good. And whatever it is we're bringing here today, whether it is a tiny little weight or it is a huge ball around us, God's got this. That's my uh, word based on what um, Patience just said. Let's have a time of uh, prayer. Oh, Father, you are so good. So good. You're the definition of good, goodness, righteousness. All of that is in you. 
You are not just a transcendent God somewhere far away looking down on us, but you are with us. You are in the mess with us. You, your son has been through the mess that we go through and much more. It is your spirit that pours out upon us day by day the love of you that cannot be separated from us if we know you. Father, we praise you for your son. The radiance of all things, of all glory, yet stepped into this world, this dusty backwater of the universe, and entered into our life, lived the life that we could not live, perfect, spotless righteousness, died the death that we deserved on our behalf, and then rose again to eternal life and calls us into that life with him. So, Father, our praises cannot even go far enough to express how much we love you and praise you. But we thank you. And I pray that you'll be with us here in this service today. In the name of Jesus, amen. A um, couple of uh, announcements. Um, first of all, Alex is not in his usual place down here. You will see instead our own Reverend Lyle Lee. Uh, uh, Alex was uh, exposed to COVID uh, over the weekend and out of an abundance of caution uh, decided not to come today and called Lyle at literally the last minute and he's here. So we thank you so much, Lyle, and uh, looking so forward to uh, what you have to bring to us today. Um, another thing, immediately after the service, uh, after the benediction, we're going to have a brief time uh, just in here. We're going to have an announcement and a little time of prayer. So hang around for that. It'll be right after the benediction. Uh, so be, care- be, be ready for that. I think those were the things. And also just remind everybody uh, that we do have SEC following the service. So for the nursery age kids, for the uh, younger kids, for the youth, and also for the adults. The adults will be having a sermon discussion right here. Uh, after the service. So uh, hang around for that. Um, I think you'll love it. All right. The confession of sin comes from 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So let's just have a few moments of silent meditation on our sin sins of commission, sins of omission uh, during this week. Amen. Our assurance of pardon also comes from 1 John 3. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God.
by this it is evident who are the children of God. Our scripture reading actually does not come from 1 Corinthians like it says in the bulletin. It's actually from Psalm 30, which is one of my favorite psalms. I'm really looking forward to what uh, Lyle has to say. So if you are able, please stand for the readings of God's word from Psalm 30. This is a psalm of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. And you have kept me alive, that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but the shout of joy comes in the morning. Now, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. Uh, O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The word of the Lord. Is it on? Oh, hey. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> um, my name's Mary, and we, this is just a smattering of the village kids. Um, I wanted to, this is my, this is our ministry moment, and so I wanted you guys to hear from some real life kids. Yay! Um, so first of all, we have some alumni, the two at the end, we have some currents. And I'm just going to ask him a few questions. But first, we're going to introduce ourselves. So, hey, kid, what's your name? I'm Brandon. Can you tell us how old you are? I'm eight. Awesome. Pass it on. Hey, kid, how, what's your name? Gabriel. Gabriel, how old are you? Ten. Ten. Awesome. Hey, kid. My name's Ryan. 
name's Josh. I'm 11 years old. Thanks. Hey, lady. Joey's 11. Okay, so we have a couple questions, all right? And first of all, what is your favorite thing about going to church here? I love the songs and listening to the sermon. Awesome. What do you like about going to church here? Um, Listen to music and fellowshipping. Aw, that's awesome. Yes, Joey. Josh, sorry. I like saying good morning to everyone. I like the activities. Oh, we got an interloper. What's this kid's name? Hey, kid, what's your name and how old are you? Gabe, and I'm eight. Okay. And um, what do you like about going to church here? I like prayers. Okay. All right. So now what's your favorite bible story or lesson that you learned in village kids all right brandon i love the i like the lesson on love and the good we learned about the good samaritan and i liked how and i liked how he was so kind to the man that got beaten up all right what's your favorite bible story or lesson i like the one when about david when there was this man wanted to kill a front. Wanted to kill the du- dude, and then David said not to. Yeah, that's a good story. All right, Josh. Mine is Jonah and the whale. Of course, it's a good one. Mine is Daniel and the lion's den. Mine is um the. Okay, you're good. I like the one where Moses struck the wa- the rock and the water came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good one. <laughs> um, you guys are solid this morning. Thank you for showing up on your A game. All right, we've got two more. Okay, what's your favorite part just of Village Kids being in that Sunday school class? I love the craft. I love fing- learning to finger knit and studying the pictures. How about you? I love learning and learning about the Bible. Thank you. That's awesome. I like the snacks. Of course. <laughs> food. Always food. Being with a friend. I like the snacks too. Of course. Whoever does snacks is a king or queen, okay? Um, Thank you, guys. You can... Oh, wait. We have one more question. All right. Sorry, Lyle. All right. Who is your favorite pastor at the village? Pastor Pastor Alex. Alex. (laughs) And and Mr. Lyle, Reverend Lyle, who is here right now. We love him. Okay. Thank you guys so much. You guys are so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and this, like I said, these are just these are just some of the kids in our group, and they're all like that. I mean, just super sweet, super engaged. We just love the Sunday school class. Um, and I'm up here today too to I would love it. We would love to have some fresh faces to volunteer with our class. 
Um, we need not only lead teachers, but we're going to have a little small group within our Sunday school class for third through fifth graders. Um, and then, of course, we have the snack king or queen who prepares the snacks every week. It is a huge job, um, but not really. Uh, so it, you, it, if you decide to volunteer your time, it would be one hour, maybe a week over. And you can volunteer once or twice in the months of August and September. So if you have one hour or two hours, if you want to spread it over two weeks, that would be great too. Um, if you have a heart for children elementary age, so about ages 5 to about age 11. Uh, Also, if you are looking for a way to get plugged into the church, this is a great and easy and fun way. I mean, seriously, these kids are great. And it's just, it's a good time. We have a good time. I've been blessed. I've had a lot of joy. They've brought me a lot of joy, a lot of levity in my life, and I really need that. Um, So, yeah, just consider that. Come find me after church, or we'll be sending an email out this week. So just keep an ear out or an eye out for that. Uh, My contact information will be in that email. And I'm going to leave you with a quote. Who doesn't love a good quote? Um, It's by turn of the century, last century, (laughs) a preacher named Clovis Chappelle or Chapel. Uh, We will never bring in the kingdom by simply seeking to save an adult generation. We must give God a chance at the children, or the cause of righteousness is going to be defeated. But if we save the child, we will surely save the world. Um, And that's what I have for the ministry moment. And now the prayer for supplication. Okay. Uh, God, I thank you so much for being here today. It's been a week, and good times and bad times, and um, just show show up here. You always do. We thank you for that. Be with Lyle as he preaches. Thank you so much for his willingness to be here. Be with Alex and Waikita and their their kids, and keep them in your care. Um, Just bless our time here together. Amen. Um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of uh, double down on what Mary just said. Her This ministry that, that she's been leading with the kids and also youth and the youth team with, with Lyle uh, and, and Miss Tiffany in the nursery, it is really one of the best ministries we've had go, we have going and uh, have had for a long time. So I, I really encourage every one of you to... Uh, to, to participate in it in whatever way you can. Uh, I, I can assure you that you will be blessed uh, by participating in that. And the other thing I was going to say was this was a great segue because these little ones uh, are the future of the church. We have, we have people here from that age up to some who have been part of our church for since the beginning as a child and now have graduated from college, but we do have one among us who is going to be going off to college 
next week, and it's Miss Rory. And we're going to ask her to come forward and all the elders and deacons as well. And we're going to lay hands on her and pray for her as she goes. And the women shepherds. <laughs> You're welcome, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Father, you are good, and your mercies endure forever. You are Emmanuel. You are with us. You promise to never leave us or forsake us. Your loving kindness and tender mercies are above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And I just pray for this sweet young lady. I thank you for her and her family being part of our our body, Lord. And um, it's sweet and bittersweet when we have to send one out. But we know, Father, because she is yours that your favor encamps about her like a shield. Father, we know, and I, I hope that she knows, I know she knows, that she can cast her cares at your feet, knowing that you will care for her. And at the same time, I think those of us have, have stepped out, we know what that's like to step out on our own and try to figure the thing out, to go to college or get establish ourselves as adults and um, sometimes we forget we forget the things that we know or sometimes our faith is just lacking and so I father I pray that you would rebuke the enemy from her path help her remember that she is yours and you are with her no matter what and even when she's not holding your hand. You are always holding her with your righteous right hand. Help her remember that she can hide in the shadow of your wings, that you are her hiding place, her refuge, her shelter, her strong tower. Give her wisdom. And when she doesn't know what to do, make her be quick to to seek you first, your kingdom and your righteousness, so she will know that all the things will be added unto her. You will take care of the things. Help her, Lord, to trust in you with all her heart and lean not on her own understanding and all her ways acknowledge you and know without a shadow of a doubt you will direct her paths. Because all your promises are yes and amen. And you are the peace giver. Help her to be quick to cast all of her cares, bring her anxieties and worries to you, knowing that you will give her the peace that surpasses all understanding knowing that you will handle the things exceedingly and abundantly above anything that she can ever imagine. And I also pray for mom and daddy who are having to open their hands and let their baby lead. I pray for all of the things, all the blessings over her, I pray for them. Give them peace. Help them know they are not omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, but you are. So I pray for comfort and peace in this new season in their household. I pray for the siblings who may be a little bit excited that big sister is going. But the the household will be different. I just pray for this family, Lord. 
that you would know, that they would know that you are holding them, that you are keeping them, you are faithful, you will never leave or forsake them. And we bless your name, Father. Because all the things that I just said, I pray against spiritual amnesia for her. I pray you give her a good church home, a solid fellowship, solid people. Titus 2 women. A church where she can see healthy marriages, healthy singles, just a healthy place for discipleship, God. I pray she would seek you with all her heart. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all good? morning. Well, you all look uh, very beautiful out there today. Uh, we are grateful, blessed, privileged to be uh, alive and uh, on this side of glory. But as Paul said, to be uh, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so as a Christian, it really is a uh, win-win situation for us. The worst thing that can happen for us is uh, for us to uh, end up in eternal glory with our Father. Uh, <clears throat> want to thank God also for uh, my wife and my children. They're not able to. Uh, they probably were able, but they're not here today. Uh, we. <laughs> Well, I, I say it because she wrestled with coming, but uh, we already have obligations uh, uh, later on today to attend a church service, and she's already so she's already I think at that service, um, and then I will head out after our youth meeting for uh, a good family and friends member, uh, family and friends. Um, their baby is being dedicated uh, dedicated today, and so uh, so so it's, it's not that she's not here to support me. She she sent me her love and support already. So, um, and and we we're, we have Larry, uh, of course, in our thoughts and prayer. And after uh, the benediction, uh, Richard will give us an update. Um, <clears throat> it's already been, I guess, t- said in passing that uh, Pastor Alex let me know uh, quite last minute. Uh, about this uh, sermon, this is this is a record for him, by the way. He, he has he has pushed it close. Uh, for those that do not know, uh, Pastor Alex and this church, very dear to my heart. Uh, I've been here since the beginning, uh, at least before the particularization, and uh, they have seen me through life, and they and I have been able to witness this church as well. And um, what has happened is. And many don't know because I haven't really publicized this, but I guess I am now. I have started uh, about a year ago working on my doctorate's degree. And so because of that, uh, I requested to Alex and, and, and to Cynthia 
uh, to please limit the number of times I have to preach. Uh, and, and I said, I don't mind if I'm the last minute, like if I'm the last resort. And there has been times Cynthia would email me. She said, we've called five pastors. No one answered where you do. I like, you know what? Five is a good number. You know, I feel like you got one more number you could have called a five. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, I, I feel like um, God has already, he was trying to get me ready for this one. Uh, and I just was being disobedient. Uh, this actually, uh, I've been thinking about this topic for probably Maybe a week ago, Marco, when uh, you came by my house and you was talking, uh, you and uh, I forgot who else it was, uh, brought me and my wife and children some food. And uh, Lord, y'all, Marco brought our baby. She's five months old, a hot dog. I was like, no, she's not. She's not there yet. She's not. <laughs> she's not. And so, uh, but it's been about a week or so ago. And uh, and and after we talked about it. Someone else actually just randomly brought up the same conversation. And from there, I felt God tell me, you, you might want to start, you know, thinking through this. <clears throat> and I started thinking through it. And I said, you know what I'll do? I'll just make like a quick little uh, two-page screenshot Facebook blurb about this. That's what I think I'll do. And so I'll put two sentences down. Like, eh, I don't feel like it right now. And what happened was... Um, uh, after I kept coming up with excuses and excuses to sit down and reflect over this, uh, God sent a uh, giant fish in the form of Pastor Alex's text last night at around 11.45 p.m. And that giant fish took my GPS that was set to Tarshish, if you remember Jonah's story, and redirected it to uh, Nineveh. And so uh, here I am now. Uh, uh, with the the second least prepared summary I've ever preached. Uh, the first was for a class assignment I had three months heads up on, and I, I waited to the last minute for that one. To the leadership of the Village Church, I'm grateful for all of you all's support and love. Um, let me go ahead and read Psalm chapter 30, and if you have your Bible, if you would turn there with me. Uh, we're going to try to walk through Psalm 30. And I'm going to be honest, uh, when I'm not prepared, I try to have some kind of outline or something written because when I'm not prepared, I have no idea which direction I'm going to go. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm going to say. And so the safest thing for me is to be prepared. So I, that's why you kept seeing me typing. That's why you saw me. I'm so sorry for walking their service. Uh, but I was trying to make sure that I can put myself in a place where I'm well behaved up here uh, it's more important now than ever since we live stream all of my sermons now. It's the pressure. You guys have no idea. Um, Psalm 30, verse 4 and 5. Sing praises to the Lord, O ye saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. I'm going to... Um, going to use for the main topic, main uh, thought for the day, uh, trouble don't last always. It's a very common statement, a uh, phrase in the African-American church, uh, in Negro spirituals and so forth. The, the fact, the relief for the believer is that trouble don't last always. But for those that would like maybe a better English semantic uh, statement, uh, would you also reflect on the believer's response to trouble 
and tears. The believer's response to trouble and tears. Gardner C. Taylor and James Massey uh, both had uh, similar sentiments when it came to preaching. Uh, They called it the sweet torture of Sunday morning and a burdensome joy. And it's because of that that I ask you all to pray with me at this moment. Lord, I thank you. I love you. Be with me now. This is, uh, I've never been here before, and I know that you will carry us through. Uh, I pray that you will give me strength to stand uh, for however long you need me to stand. I pray that you will give me confidence in your ability to speak what it is that you will have for us to, to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I taught at a Christian academy uh, for about three years, uh, not too long ago. And I was chaplain of that academy for uh, two of those three years. Uh, <clears throat> part of it was I taught 11th grade uh, New Testament survey. And along with that, I taught uh, eighth grade doctrine, ninth, uh, no, ninth grade leadership, and 12th grade uh, seminars, uh, and comp- a compilation of all the different major topics and so forth they should know. <clears throat> During that time, I was also teaching college, and I, both places, especially 11th grade and college, I read a lot of papers and graded a lot of papers. And during my time of grading a lot of papers, I found a lot of students that would plagiarize their papers. Uh, I have I've even said across the parent who refused to check my email proving that the paper was plagiarized, only to see in person that the child was plagiarized, to which she looked at her son and said to him, I asked you to write one paragraph after I took care of the rest. <clears throat> I, had children or students that would ask me, how did you find out that I plagiarized? And I said, well, because for one of the students, even though I teach college, I have a master's degree, I still don't quite know how to use a colon in a sentence, and yet you figured out perfectly how to insert it. <clears throat> Other students would ask, uh, how did I know? And I say, you know what? You both just so happen to copy the same paper from the internet. After reading the second one, the first one got away with it, but after reading the second one, I realized it sounded very similar. (laughs) But my easiest, the easiest, the easiest catch I ever had, my favorite as well, was I only read the first two words of the person's paper, and I knew it was plagiarized. Now, there are some students, and I'm not knocking anyone's intellectual abilities. Some people just don't apply themselves. And the place I was at, that usually was because they didn't apply themselves. Some students, you can just tell by the way they talk to you and the way they write their assignments all the way up to that paper that you're saying something doesn't match, right? But this particular student made it so easy. I read the first two words, and you all are thinking, what could be the possible, could probably be the first two words of a paper that will let someone know it's plagiarized. The paper began with the statement, in conclusion. <laughs> None of this is made up, by the way. What the student did was copy and paste an article and decided, you know what, to be safe, let me rearrange the paragraph so that he doesn't figure me out. And he accidentally 
or actually it was a she, I'm sorry. She accidentally put the very last paragraph in front, which began with, in conclusion. Well, even though I mocked them at this moment, I think I'm going to use that strategy today. I'm going to go ahead and conclude this song. I'm going to go ahead and start by reading the last two verses. All right, so if you don't think already he's not prepared, this should prove that I'm not prepared because I'm going to start by reading the last two verses of the song. You have turned for me my mourning, M-O-U-R, into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and uh, clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That's how this psalm ends. That's how this psalm ends. And so as we work through the psalm, I want you to think about how it ends. And in light of how it ends, take comfort in the reality of your life. Mark Lowry, uh, he's a singer, a comedian. He's probably most famous uh, for the song, Mary Did You Know. Uh, He tells a story about a time he was in a tornado. He tells a story about how he uh, was in his uh, boat, his houseboat and whatnot, and and he's not used to tornadoes because he's from Texas, and and he heard a train coming, and he said, that's that's not a train on on this water. There's no train here. And he, sure enough, behold, there was a tornado. And he said that his boat began to rock and splash and bounce up and down like crazy. And, and you can only imagine what it would be like to grow, go through such powerful storms while you're in a boat on the water. Well, he survived. And the next morning, he went to town, and they were checking on each other. Everybody's asking how so-and-so doing. Everybody's living on the, the boats in the water. How are you? Did you make it good? How's your boat? The boat's destroyed, but I'm okay. And, and Mark said to one of his persons, you know what? I would have enjoyed that a lot more if I had known I was going to live through it. I would have enjoyed that a lot more If I had known, I was going to live through it. Think about all the Bible stories. Think about all the stories you have personally lived through that when you look back, you laugh about it now. You you tell the story and you just can't help but smile and laugh and everybody's making fun of you about it. But in that moment, you did not know how in the world you were going to survive. Probably the most the most, uh, I guess the best example I, I can think of, the first one that came to my mind as I was reading and thinking about this was the disciples on the boat. Now, Jesus has already proven quite well that he's God. <laughs> but if you read the book of Mark, it's really this one consistent theme when it comes to Jesus and his disciples' uh, interaction. That is, they don't get it. They don't, you, think, you think you're having a hard time. Just imagine being with the guy. Seeing him do amazing things, see him walk on water, and then a storm comes and you panic all over again. The disciples missed out, as Mark Lowry went through, a time of their life. 
Because the storm is coming, the boat begins to rock and the water is splashing. And instead of going, wee, like they're on a roller coaster, they say, find Jesus now, we're about to die. And what's Jesus' reaction? He's annoyed. He's frustrated. He was sleeping and they woke him up over something that his mind was very trivial. Those that have children, you know what that's like. They wake you up and they're panicking, and then you find out it's because the, the computer isn't charged up all the way, right? right? Or he, he's having a hard time finding the fork or whatever. Whatever it is, you're thinking, this is what you woke me up for? Thank God we have a Father in heaven who never slumbers or sleeps, but yet there are times that we are panicking, and God is saying, what else must I show you? In recent times, COVID has taken the lives of many believers and non-believers. Suicidal ideations has taken the lives of many believers and unbelievers. People have lost jobs and careers and have to settle for temporary unemployment or unsatisfying work and labor, floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, cancer, strokes, heart attacks, homelessness and orphanages continue to increase, rape, murder, abortions. Walter Hawkins' song, Thank You, Lord, summarizes it pretty well in the opening line by just simply saying, tragedies are so commonplace. And even in the midst of such hardships, there are people that carry the title Christian that believe the reason troubles haven't knocked on their door is because they're doing something right. I told you all that Marco recently sat down with me for a little while, and if you ever need to pick me up, just sit down and talk with Marco for a little while. And he was talking with me. He said that a mutual acquaintance of ours was speaking, and somehow I came up, and uh, essentially the question they wanted to ask me was, why does it seem like you are so rarely panicked when things aren't going well in life. I'm glad I give that great, <laughs> that great outward appearance. You seem chill, something along those lines, Mark would say, whenever you update me on frustrations in life. I was talking to him about my, knee, my recent knee surgery, which is why I'm grabbing onto this podium so much, um, trying to uh, keep it loose and it's tightening up on me quite well right now. And I told Marco a couple of things. And as I was talking to him, I started thinking of a few more things. And then someone else, as I told you later on, just randomly asked me the same question. And I thought of a few more things to tell them. And, and, and essentially, the things that came to my mind is that, that the one thing, the, the, the things that keep me grounded, that keep me comforted, that keep me confident is God is sovereign and good, right? You guys, you, you learned this at a young age. He got the whole world in his hands. I, one of the things that keep me 
confident is that I already know the ending, right? That in the end, God and his people win, right? Uh, one of the things that, that keeps me grounded is that I know that this too shall pass. I told you all that the African-American church just simply said troubles don't last always. One of the things I told him is that I realized they can always be worse, right? I started complaining about having to walk until I saw someone without shoes, and, and then that person was complaining about no shoes until they saw someone with no feet to use. And sometimes I just have to talk to someone, call up the pastor, call up friends, call up my counselor or therapist. And for those that may be in crisis, I think the number now is 988 if it's for the uh, suicide hotline. Sometimes you just have to talk to someone. It's great to talk to someone. Make sure, believers, that you're also talking to Jesus. But here's the other side of it. It's great to talk to Jesus, pray, read the scripture, but also talk to his people. We're not meant to make this alone. But the reality is, and I told, said this as well, I'm not always confident. I'm not always chill when things aren't going my way. The reality is, for those that are in the village church, we cry sometimes, amen? But we do not cry, Richard already stole my sermon, as those without hope. This church has seen me. The leadership has seen me panic. The leadership has seen me anxious. I have, I have had my panic attacks. I think it was our dear brother Pat Moore that caught me when I passed out. I have sat in the midst of the session and let them know how I didn't know how things were going to, how I was going to make it. I have told Alex that I can't finish school. I have told people about the frustrations and struggles of our marriage and, and of my bills and of the house breaking down and so forth and so forth. The reality is we have to cry sometimes. And this psalm gives us the response for the believers to those troubles and tears. Now, the background to this psalm is that it is written by David as a song dedicated to the temple. Now, I'm not here to spend too much time on background context. If you want more, you can email. Well, I won't check my email. You can call me or text me. But essentially, there is a lot of theories as to either A, whether or not David wrote this, or B, whether or not it's a psalm dedicated to the temple. But my best conclusion is that it is worth exploring or believing that David is the author, since it does say he's the author, and that it could possibly have been the dedication that David wrote either once he got the property for the temple. You may remember that God gave David uh, his covenant, the Davidic covenant, that his house will reign forever. And David wanted to make a temple, but God said he cannot do it. He's a man with blood on his hand. He shed blood. He's a man of war. It would be his son that would do it. So David said, what well, the least I can do is get the material ready and get the property ready. And perhaps he said, let's go ahead and get the song that we're going to use to dedicate it ready. Another option is, is that David wrote the song. And maybe once the temple was created and built and we was ready to be dedicated, they decided, let's use this psalm from David. But regardless, uh, I think there's no reason for us not to think that David wrote this psalm. And he opens up the psalm 
by saying, I will extol you, O Lord, a word that we don't use quite often. This is an extreme radical praise that David is saying he would do for God. Why? What is, what is it that has led David to conclude that God is worthy of such admiration? When you read verses 1 through 3, it appears that God has rescued the psalmist from a near-death experience. It appears that the psalmist was either sick or he had foes that were closing in on him. Or whatever the reason, it does appear that God rescued him from almost entering the grave. David said that uh, you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. All right. So the foes wanted to rejoice over David, but the, the image that you see is that God actually raised or elevated David up above them. All right. What did what the foes want to rejoice over? It could have been he's sick, he's about to die, or he's about to be captured and we're going to kill him. Whatever the reason, God rescued David. He said, I cried to you for help. And you have healed me. Once again, this language appears to be David was sick. Appears to be that he was about to die and God healed him, saved him from death. You have brought me up my soul from Sheol, from the grave. And so David's response, David's lesson to us is how we should respond in those situations, what, what, how should we respond when God answers our prayers? And the reality is, that should be the same response, even if he doesn't. The, the, the three Hebrew boys are the best example of that, right? That, that they let the king know that we, we understand you're about to kill us. And, here, and we understand our two options, either bow down and worship you and reject God, or we stay true to our belief. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to take you up on that offer to kill us. And here's what you need to know. Our God is able to rescue us, even if he doesn't. Their confidence, their comfort, their praise wasn't in the fact that God was going to deliver them. They were happy and just enough to know he was able to. David's response in verse 1 is, I will extol you, O Lord. Verse 4, he opens up with, sing praises to the Lord, O his saying. He invites all of God's people to join in with him in this Praise and admiration. Praise is a gift from God to the believer that ought to be used to fight the darkness. Praise is a weapon that is in your arsenal to fight those dark nights, to fight those weeping nights, to make it through just one more hour, one more day. Praise. Pastor Paul Labatillier, that's the best I got. He gives us a few things that praise does. He says praise gets the focus off of you and put the spotlight back on God. You guys get that? You see how the perspectives become clear in life when you decide to focus back on God in the midst of your situations? 
instead of worrying and focusing and putting all the attention back on yourself, right? That it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God. And, and, and that even though when sin may make that, that, that selfish tendency almost impossible, well, it makes it impossible to get rid of, that praise and the Holy Spirit gets us back to where we need to be, which is our attention on God. You guys know this. You guys know when you're depressed or when you're frustrated or when you're angry at the world that what you have done is turn the attention inward. And what praise does with the power of the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do is to take that inward focus and place it back on God so that you can have, like the three Hebrew boys, faith that even though, that even though faith. Number two, praise reminds you how powerful and sovereign God is And it humbles us. It humbles us. Because we see and we're reminded that we're not the ones in control. There are some things that you, you you know, it's your fault. But then there are some things I'm going to say, I'm just going to let God have his way with this. There there are some things you got to say, I just got to let go of this situation and let God do whatever it is he's going to do because I have tried, I have tried, I have prayed, I have prayed, and nothing is working. And there are times where God tells us, like Joshua, to stand still and know that he is God. Praise sets you up for victory. We can see throughout Scripture many and many times where the people begin to praise before they had a chance to win the battle, before they had a chance to be rescued, before they had a chance to be healed, and God moves on their behalf. Praise removes complaining and negativity. It's hard, Richard, to, to praise and complain at the same time. It's hard to say thank you and I don't like it at the same time. What praise does is put your mind back on what you ought to be doing, which is thanking God for the blessings he has given. It refreshes your spirit. And it sets you up for supernatural acts from God. I think about uh, Paul and Silas in prison. Many of us would agree that they had no reason to start singing praises. They could have started singing melancholy. I thought we had a new guest speaker for today. <laughs> and we we see that praise <laughs> we see that praise is commanded by God regardless of our our situation. In fact, if, if, if you really want to be confused by Jesus like the disciples were, look at his response every single time. Oh, excuse me. Look at what he tells us to do every single time we're suffering. Rejoice. Look at what Paul tells us to do every time you're in prison or afflicted or, or suffering. Rejoice. Paul in the book of Philippians is a, is a letter that he wrote while he was in prison, and yet no other book in the Bible that Paul wrote has the word joy or rejoice in it more. Praise is what the believers do in response to troubles and tears. So David decided to praise God in response to God answering his prayers. And my question, just for maybe 20 seconds for you to think through, what reasons do you have to praise God? Now, you know what? There, are, there were quite a few people, perhaps, 
They started thinking of all the hard things and say, well, I can't do it for that. I can't do it for that. Not that. And you missed the question. The question is, what are the reasons you have at this very moment to praise God? I'll be honest. There are some times my mind gets in this place where it's very difficult for me to find reasons. I'm sorry I'm not being the super saint you wanted me to be. I'm sorry that I'm not always praising God no matter what. There are times that I look down and say, I don't think I can find a reason right now. That I can't use, well, he saved me one more time. <laughs> That's a great reason, but eventually that, 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 that reason runs out. You're like, I got to find another reason. And we have to get to a place where we praise God for his attributes and presence alone. One thing I love, I love about the song, My God is Awesome, is the ending where, where we're just talking about how God is awesome. He just starts naming off his attributes. And the, the kids we sing throughout summer camp, and they just, they're singing it over and over. Uh, holy, right, provider, protector, deliverer, healer. That is the reason why we praise him. Because he's love, he's faithful, he's just, he's faithful, he's peace, he's faithful, he's loyal and faithful and he's faithful. He's faithful. <laughs> David said, I was young but now I'm old, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken. My brothers and sisters, God is faithful even when we are faithless. Even when he has to come back and pull us out of the rut. Even when he has to come back and pull us out of that place that we were supposed to be in. Even when he has to go and buy his own bride. bride, God is faithful to the end. Verses 4 and 5, the believer's response to trouble, I said, is praise. Praise. Praise is that gift that we are to use to get through those dark nights. The author here, the, the psalmist here, is very clear of the fact that life brings troubles and tears. There are some people that don't believe that. There are some people that don't think anyone should be exposed to that reality. Don't let the kids know too soon that they're going to face hardship. The reality is that life will bring troubles and, and, and I'm talking about the type of troubles and tears that will possibly leave you in deep depression. That, that may make you feel lonely. That the, the, the troubles that may cause you to lose your job, to, to barely make ends meet, that, that makes it hard to talk to your spouse, that makes you short-tempered with people like your co-workers and your children and other family members. And it even gets you to the question of asking, is God really there? And if he is, does he really care about me? Life is a gift. Life is a gift from God, but sometimes it brings troubles and tears. That's why C.S. Lewis wrote A Grief Observed as he dealt with personal lasting injuries while wishing that he could take his wife's uh, place in her own illness. That's why my mentor, Dr. Robert Smith Jr., wrote Mourning, M-O-U-R, to Mourning, M-O-R, as he reflects 
on how it is that he could be a victim of an armed robbery at a gas station and survive, and yet his son, years later, is also the victim of an armed robbery in a gas station and is shot dead. St. John of the Cross wrote, Dark Night of the Soul. David Levinson wrote, Tell me how this could possibly end well. John Piper, you know, the, the founder of Desiring God Ministries, writes the book, When I Don't Desire God. Because life is a gift from God, but it brings troubles and tears. And we get to verse 5. Many, many people may not have known it was in Psalm 30, but you knew the verse. And, and it's a verse, thank God, that has gotten many people through that next day that they, that they needed. Where David's weeping, and he realizes that it's only going to be for a night. Now, when you look at verse 5, you can see that this weeping is a result, if you, if you look at the... Uh, at the, the, form, the formation of this verse, it's a we, his weeping is the, as a result of God's anger. You see that? That, that uh, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. And so he, he echoes that again by saying, weeping may tarry for the night. It's gonna, the weeping is going to last in, in conjunction for David with God's anger for the moment. David's weeping is a result of God's divine punishment. But that doesn't mean every time we suffer, it's because we did something wrong. There are people that are trying hard to love God. There are people like Job that are being faithful in their worship. And bad things happen. David also, in, his, in, his, in the book of Psalms, says, why is it that it looks like the people that are evil prosper the most on earth? Why is it that loved ones that we have that we know have gone to church every single day of their life, or at least every single Sunday, but have lived the life that's pleasing to Christ, die young, and yet you got playboys and super uh, celebrities and people that glorify drugs and alcohol, they live to the 90 and 80, and, and, and you're saying, Lord, do you not see what's going on down here? The beauty other matter, though, with David is that even though this is punishment, God's punishment is a reflection of his love. God does not withhold discipline from those he loves. But if you notice, even though his punishment, even though he's being punished, the punishment is not forever. His favor is. The discipline is not forever, but his grace is. Verse 5, I says, encourage many people. And I want you to realize that it's not literally saying that tomorrow morning or that you'll be better. It's not saying just sleep it off and everything will be all right. It is a reminder that weeping and pain and suffering and hardships are all temporary. Can you get that, Can you get that perspective? Even if it's just for today, it's temporary. Troubles don't last always. David uh, Guzik says this verse is an emphasis on the certainty of God's comfort and joy to his people. Morning always follows night. And weeping, and the weeping believer may be certain that.
that as they keep their focus on God, he will bring them once again to joy. Sometimes you just have to hold on just a little while longer. Because what God is able to do is take whatever it is that's causing you grief, depression, and pain, and use it to bring you delight and thankfulness. I think about when we had our two children, the pain that labor brought my wife and the pain she brought my hand, but that's not the focus at this point. The pain, the tears that came from the labor, and in a moment, it's, it's, it's this one moment where no longer are the tears that's coming from my eyes tears of pain. It's tears still coming, but they're tears of joy once she has that baby in her arms. Once she see that baby out and, 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 and she's relieved that the baby is crying. And sometimes God needs you to just hold on until that thing that has caused you so much pain, you can see it and you can realize the joy, the, the, the delight that it's bringing you, that it will bring you, the glory it will bring you. Sometimes that's the hard part. I would say most of the time for me, the hard part is trying to, trying to convince myself I will get through this, that I will get through this night. That I have to find a way to hold on to my hope, hold on to my joy, hold on to my praise, hold on to Jesus, and rejoice and be thankful in spite of. Sometimes you got to look back at some old thank you cards that friends gave you years ago. Sometimes you got to look at a sweet text message that, a, that someone t- sent you two or three years ago. Sometimes you got to call someone and just hear their voice and remind you that you have friends and people that care about you. But sometimes you just have to hold on through one more night. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, I can go on and on through this psalm, and I have a lot more to say. But I want to go ahead and just end with verse 11. And 12. David says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. He says, you have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me in gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. The truth of suffering for the believer is that trouble don't last always. Our pain is temporary, but our thanks, you saw verse 12, will be forever. Our weeping is temporary, but you see our praise is forever. For David's case, God's anger is momentary, but his favor is Forever, His love is forever. His faithfulness and forgiveness are forever. Your tears are brief in light of eternity. Your tears are brief, but your joy will be forever. That's why Paul continues in chapter 4. 
by saying, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. The truth is, we have to realize it could be worse. And so the question I'm asking you as we get ready to leave is, are you going to focus on what God has done for you or are you going to think about what he should have done by now? Are you going to focus on the times he has brought you through or are you going to complain about the new thing you're going through now? Yes, life is hard. Thank God anyways. Yes, your parents' health aren't well, but thank God for the years he gave you with them. Yes, your car needs to go in the shop, but thank God you have friends that will let you borrow theirs. I'm talking about myself right now. Yes, my kitchen pipe bursted. But thank God he doesn't need my kitchen to provide me with a meal. Yes, I lost my best friend from high school to Dell, but thank God I was able to reconnect with him one last time a week before. Yes, life is hard, but thank God anyway. We have so much that we're going through. You have surgery and you wake up and you find it's going to be three or four months longer recovery than when you went uh, under the, the, uh, the knife. You thank God anyways, because there were people that didn't wake up from surgery. You can pray or you can complain. The, the African-American song says, troubles in my way, I have to cry sometimes. So much trouble I have to cry sometimes. I lay awake at night, but that's all right because Jesus will fix it after a while. Don't you all hate when someone spoils a good ending for you? John spoils it. John spoils the ending of this life in Revelation. John says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. My brothers and sisters, I will close with a quote from Dr. Alan Ross, one of my former professors. Uh, as he writes the commentary on Psalm 30. God heals and restores his people whom he has chastened so that they might declare to the congregation that the lifetime in his favor overshadows the time of suffering. Amen. Amen. If you would please stand with us, if you're able, as we close.
information, the live feed will be cut, and uh, Richard would update us um, with a quick meeting. Uh, receive this benediction. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen.